Well, the Spirit of the Lord is here, and there's a great, I don't know if you noticed the picture, and uh, in, in kind of coming into the Hart Hall and the sanctuary, there's a picture of Jesus um, that, that's um, over by, oh, it's kind of hidden, it's my favorite picture of Jesus in the church, and it says, Christ is here, anything can happen. And I believe that. Christ is present with us this morning, and anything can happen here in this place now. So we're real, I'm really glad you're here with us this morning. Um, if you have your Bible, you can take it out uh, and turn to Colossians 4. If you don't have your Bible, there's a couple options for you. First, the scriptures will be on the screen. That's one thing. But also, you can either pull out your cell phone and go to one of the, you know, one of the version or, or an online site. Um, or you can also, if you've downloaded our mobile app, if you have our St. Matthew's mobile app on your phone, when you open it up, you, you can look on the very bottom. I know you won't be able to see this, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, you can look on the bottom of, of your screen on the mobile app, and you'll see Scripture. If you open that up, you can follow along with today's readings right here on your mobile phone, on your phone. So we'd encourage you to either uh, open up your own personal Bible if you have it with you. Or if not, follow along on the screen or, or use one of your mobile devices. Just, just don't play Pokemon if you can avoid it. Or if you do, take a good picture and tweet it after you've done that. So anyway, Colossians 4. Um, what I've been doing, this, this is, I, I'm, we're kind of concluding the series. Aaron and I have been t- preaching through Colossians. And what I do, uh, mine's kind of old school. I hope this doesn't bore you too bad. But I kind of do what they call old school expository preaching when I preach through a book of the Bible. We don't go verse by verse, but we're going to look at each section of Colossians 4. It's only two sections, so it's not too bad. And we're just going to talk about what Paul's talking about here. So I invite you to turn with me to Colossians 4. And we'll, um, we'll, we'll read through this together and talk about what Paul's talking about. Colossians 4. I love Colossians. A little, little, little bit of Bible. If you ever, hey, Ants, how you doing? You been hiding over there? Like a little goblin going to pop out and scare me? Pokemon go. Ants go. That's right. That, that's a rare Antimon. Tower roll. Tower roll, baby. I'm like a barrel of laughs. Okay. Colossians 4. There's two major sections. First is Paul's further instructions, then a final greeting. But I will read ver- first vor- verses. We kind of wrapped up la- last week. We included verse 1. Because verse, FYI, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in verses and chapters. Like, verses and chapters were kind of a medieval invention as people began to study the Bible. So Paul didn't say verse 1, da-da-da-da-da, verse 2, da-da-da-da-da. He just wrote and then later, they organized the Bible into, into verses and chapters. So that's why sometimes you'll see with Colossians 4, verse 1 is actually a better fit for chapter 3. Likewise, you see it, uh, you see it in, in one of the most famous passages of that is, uh, is 1 Corinthians 13. You know, uh, now I'll show you a more excellent way. And then it jumps into the, pa- into the love chapter from there. But anyway, Colossians, we'll start with Colossians 1 and... Um, I'm sorry, Colossians 4, verse 2. We'll read 2 through 6. Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Conduct yourself wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be, be gracious Seasoned with salt, so that, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Okay. Let's look at th- that first section, 2 through 6. First, Paul says here, devote yourselves to prayer. 
keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. The most, perhaps the hardest thing we struggle with in today's world is mindfulness. How many of us really pay attention every day? Like really pay attention to what you're seeing, what you're doing, what you're experiencing. So often we get so busy with what we're doing, we don't pay attention to what's all around us. Or we get so focused on what is to come, what our next task is, that we aren't actually mindful in that moment. It isn't that God is not speaking to us sometimes. It's that we aren't always paying attention. Sometimes we get so busy that we can miss the beauty of God in that moment. I, I'll never forget, this, this, hit, this hit me one day when we were living in Ripley. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all have ever traveled up to that northeast part of the state. I think perhaps the prettiest part of Mississippi. I mean, that northeast portion, Ripley, Boonville, huh? I mean, it's just a, that, that, that's a beautiful section. And, and Ripley was a, a beautiful town, but Holly worked over in, in, in Corinth some as a dietitian at the hospital there. So I'd go over and see her sometimes, or we'd go over and eat there. And I'll never forget, when you would drive from Ripley to uh, Corinth, you would top this hill, and you would go into this valley. And, and you'd see, the, particularly during the fall, when the trees were changing, and it was stunning. It was something out of a Norman Rockwell painting. And I traveled that road for several years before I noticed it. Because I was so busy, my mind was somewhere else. I was thinking about what I had to do or what I had to accomplish or what was going on or something mindless. I just wasn't present. And I missed this beautiful image of God's creation right in front of me nearly every day of my life. And I just missed it. Because I was not mindful. Are you aware that in this very moment, see, here, here's, here's, y'all, here's my problem. I believe this stuff. That's my great problem. I believe there's a God that created everything, both seen and unseen. I believe that there's a God who rolled away the stone. I believe that there is a God who conquered death. I believe there's a God who forgives us our sins. I actually believe this stuff, and it gets me excited. Do you, do you know that the actual God that rolled away the stone, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is the same Spirit that's here in our midst right now? The very Holy Spirit of God is here. Y'all, we're not just marking time we get to eat lunch in a little bit. We aren't just passing through. But there is a sacred, sovereign purpose for your being right here, right now. And that same sacred, sovereign purpose exists for tomorrow. But so often, we wake up, we eat, we sit in traffic, we go to work, we eat lunch, we come home, we watch TV, we go to bed, lather, rinse, repeat. We aren't always alert, are we? We aren't always aware of what God is saying every day. We expect God to speak in the loud and the powerful and the mysterious. But if we're alert, if we're paying attention, we'll find that God speaks in the ordinary and the mundane and the regular.
God will speak in ways that your mind can't even fathom right now. But we got to be paying attention. That's why Paul says pray, but be alert. Be looking. Be aware. Be on guard. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Praying seems inefficient. We're not doing anything. We're just sitting there talking. What's accomplished by that? Well, first, the Bible says that prayer has an effect that our minds can't even fathom. Jez and James, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Prayer changes things. But here's the thing about prayer. C.S. Lewis says this. The miracle of prayer is not just that prayer changes God. The miracle of prayer is that prayer changes us. Right now, there's somebody you don't don't like. Somebody in your life. Somebody in your family. Somebody at your work. Unless you're the exception to the rule, there's someone in your life that you don't like. My mom used to say, just because I love you don't mean I got to like you. There's somebody you don't like. This is your homework. Pray for them. Pray for that person this week. Every day, pray for them. And the next week, I guarantee you, God's either going to change them or he's going to have changed you. But something will be different. I heard somebody tweeted this one day. He said, if you're not on my heart, then you're on my nerves. That person that gets on your nerve, that person that knows your last nerve and then steps on it. You can either be mad at him and irritated at him, or you can pray for him. See what God does. Paul says here in verse 3, he says, At the same time, pray for us that God will open a door for us for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, and so, I may, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. That's one of those verses I've been chewing on as I, as I prayed through this week and thought about this week. Um, what, as lead pastor, what I want our church to be about above all else is Jesus. I want the gospel to be in the center of everything we do. That means not just individuals meeting Jesus Christ for the first time, but that means those of us that know Jesus growing every day. Y'all, I wasn't sent here and Aaron was sent here by the bishop to grow this church. I was sent here by the bishop. Aaron was sent here to meet a budget. We weren't sent here to pay apportionments, which is our conference askings. Now, the conference wants us to do all those things. We were sent here to build the kingdom. And y'all, if we do what's right for the kingdom, God will take care of the church. If you do what's right for the church, God may kill it. I'm not worried about the church. I'm worried about the kingdom. If we focus on the kingdom, God will take care of us. So hear me when I say this. I'm praying not just for God to grow our church, but every Sunday I pray for God to grow Ridgecrest and First Baptist and Broadmoor and First Methodist and Parkway Hills and every church in this area. Because no other church is our competition. Do you hear me, church? They're not our competition. Our only competition are the forces of evil in this world. 
So other churches are our allies. They're our friends. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want you to be praying not just for me and for Aaron and for our staff and our team here, but pray for other churches. Pray for God to grow them and prosper them, that we together as the body of Christ can change this world for the kingdom of God. That his will can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it every Sunday. Let's live it out. Let's live it out every day of our week. Let's live it out that we seek to live out the gospel every day of our lives through our words, through our actions, through our prayers, through all that we are. Those are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're here to support them. So pray for us. Pray for the United Methodist Church. Pray for other churches. Pray for the church in general. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are being persecuted across the world. There are brothers and sisters in Christ who are being killed for their faith every day in Africa, Asia, the Middle East. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because they need our prayers. It's interesting. If you go back and look at um, Paul's writings in, in Acts, in Acts 15, when the church begins to spread, one of the things that the church in Jerusalem tells the Christians the rest of the world to do is this. Remember the poor in Jerusalem. I got a friend of mine that's a Christian in Bethlehem. And when he leaves his home to travel to Jericho for work, he hides his cross under his shirt because he's afraid for his life. He's afraid for his life. He leaves his wife and his children at home alone. and He's terrified for them when he's gone. Y'all... Come on. How blessed are we? Seriously, y'all. We got it good. Our greatest impediment to going to church is that we're tired or we're busy. Or there's something better we want to do. Come on, y'all. Seriously. What excuse do we have not to invite somebody to church next week? Can you think of one? Fear? Yeah, I get that. We don't want to be known as that guy. I get that. You don't have to be crazy. Just invite somebody to church. You know, don't be weird. Just don't, you don't have to be weird. I'm going to tell you to be weird. Invite them to church. Y'all, we've been blessed. We've been given so much. And to whom much is given, much is expected. We've got to be faithful. Uh, talking about not being weird, verse 6. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer questions. Um, how do you speak? How do you talk about people when they're not there? I've heard it said, integrity is what you have when no one else is looking. How do you talk about folks you don't like? What words do you use? How, do, how, how, do, how, do, how does our language affect who we are? Because here's the thing. The more negativity that comes out of our mouth, the more negativity our attitude will be. And the more we surround ourselves with negative people, the more we're going to be negative. And you in your life, you may be surrounded by negative people. And so what you've got to do in that moment is you've got to stake out your ground and be positive. You've got to be different. You've got to have your language seasoned with salt. Did did y'all know we're in the midst of an election season here in our nation? I don't know if y'all have been paying attention. Um, You know how you're not going to get somebody to change their mind? Yell at them. If you want to change somebody's mind, don't yell at them. 
How many of you have somebody yell at you and call you stupid and then say, you know what? I'm going to follow you. That's a great idea. Of course not. If you want to change somebody's mind politically, be nice. Seriously. Mommies say, you know, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, doesn't it? Be nice to people. If you want to get people to come to church, be nice to them. Be nice. The world needs somebody to be nice, y'all. The world needs somebody. And the Bible says here, let your language be seasoned with salt. Salt preserves. Salt gives life. Salt is good. By what you speak, by how you talk, by how you live, do you bring life? Is your language life-giving? Especially about those you do not like. Especially about those that you do not agree with. Especially about those that you think are wrong. How do we talk about them? Because here's the thing. That person you don't like, that person you think is wrong, that person who may very, very well may be wrong, guess what? Jesus died for them. Jesus died for them. The person that you don't like, the person you disagree with, the person who you want to yell at, Jesus Christ loved them so much he died for them. Should we not love them in the same way? And that's hard, y'all. Because <laughs> there's some folks we just don't like it. Now, let's be honest. Let's not give our church answer. Let's give our real answer. There's folks we don't like. The hard part is not loving those we like. The hard part is loving those we don't like. The hard part is speaking grace to those that we don't like. That can only happen through Jesus Christ. Because you can't will that. You can't bow up and do it. That's got to be Jesus Christ living out through you every day of your life. Let's look at our, our next section, our closing section, 7 through 18. A whole bunch of unpronounceable words that I'm going to mangle. Tachias. See, I don't even know if that's how to pronounce it. That sounded good, didn't it? I, just FYI, when you read Scripture, in the Bible, and we have to read the Bible in church, say it like you believe it. They'll believe you, okay? Just own it. Just own it, and they'll believe you, okay? Say it like you know what you're talking about. Tachias will tell you about the news, tell you all the news about me. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and, and he may encourage your hearts. He is coming when on, on Nimenus. That sounds good. The faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything that is here. Arastar is just, why can't they name folks Steve and Ralph? That'd be a lot easier. <laughs> My fellow prisoner greets you, as does Mark. Yes. The cousin of Barnabas, concerning, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, greets you. They are, they are the only ones of the circumcision among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to, my, to me. Ephaphorus is one of you, a, a servant of Christ Jesus. He greets you. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf, that you may be mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify for him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, my beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet my beloved, get, greet my, give my greetings and brothers and sisters in De, to Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in their house. This letter has been read, read among you. Have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. 
and that you, that you have the letter from Laodicea. And I say to Archippus, see that, the, see that you complete the task that I have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting to you with my own hand. Remember my change. Grace be with you. Notice what Paul does here. He lists a whole bunch of people. And that wasn't just so that I could mispronounce them all for you today, although I'm sure that was part of why he did it. Paul didn't live this journey alone. Every one of Paul's letters ends with, hey, greet so-and-so. Say hey to somebody. This person says hello to you. Don't forget this person. Paul understood the value of partnerships. The Christian road is never a road that is meant to be walked alone. You can't do this by yourself. You're awesome. You're strong, but you're not that strong. You need somebody beside you, encouraging you, pushing you, pulling you, caring for you. We need the church. We need brothers and sisters walking beside us. We need folks helping us. We were not meant to walk alone. I think I've shared the story. I know with the other service, I'm not sure if I've shared it here. But Paul, um, the first 5K I ever ran was in Oxford. If you know anything about Oxford, Oxford is nothing but hills and hollows. That's all that town is. It's up and down the entire town. And um, about five minutes in the race, I wanted to throw up and die. I wanted to just die and be pulled off the road. But I didn't do it because I had folks running beside me. They kept me going. There's times in your life when you're going to want to throw up and die. You need somebody walking beside you. You need somebody pulling for you. You need somebody encouraging. You need somebody praying for you. You need somebody with you. We need each other. We need each other. Faith is about the road we walk together. Paul understood partnerships. Paul understood that he needed help. Paul always took help. Sometimes the hardest thing we have to do in life is say this, I can't do it and I need help. I can't do it, and I need help. Because that pierces the balloon of pride, doesn't it? We're taught to be self-sufficient. I, I, I was raised that way. I don't want to ask for help. I don't. I can do it. Except that I can't. And here's the, here's the thing. We can never fully come to God we ask God for help. You know what happens when we come to God and ask for help? He gives it. So in your life, there's going to come a time when you've got to ask somebody for help. That's okay. That's what, we, that's what we believers do. And in your life, there's going to come a time when someone's going to ask you for help. Give it. Because they're going to need the help that you can provide. Paul understood that. Paul, um, Paul said, he's in, he, he, he says, I remember, remember my change. He says in verse 10, he's a fellow prisoner. Paul wrote this letter in prison, y'all. One of, the, one of the things we need to understand sometimes is that being a Christian doesn't always mean bad things won't happen. In fact, read the book of Job. Why Job have all those trials? Because he's a good guy. Being a Christian doesn't mean things are going to always be easy. In fact, sometimes the opposite. Being a Christian sometimes means things are going to be harder. Sometimes means you're going to be tested. And you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through troubles. Just because your life is hard now doesn't mean you've done something wrong. Just because your life is hard doesn't mean that God's out to get you. 
Just because you're going through a tough time does not mean that God is mad at you. Y'all, God's not out to get you. The Bible says that upon him was placed the iniquities of us all. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sins, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. God took all of our stuff, all of our sins, all of our failures, all our stuff, and put it on Jesus. And he suffered and died so that we could be forgiven. You are forgiven. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. God is not out to get you. God is not punishing you. God loves you. God is not playing some cosmic game of chess with your heart. God loves you. Upon the cross, his wrath was satisfied. God is not out to get you. Paul was in prison. You know why he was in prison? Because he was doing the right thing. And Paul says this. To one point he's preaching, he says, I wish you could be like me, but, my, but for, save for my chains. Paul was in prison, but he was free. How many of us are free but in chains? I always say, you know, nobody wants to get saved. Because we get saved, we know God's going to call us a missionary somewhere. We don't want to go. And I've heard talks from missionaries that are in places we don't want to go. You know what? They're fully alive. How many of us live our lives the way we want to live them? And feel like our hearts are in prison. I've never met a person that was fully devoted to God, fully living out the gospel, that was not fully alive. And how many of us every day put ourselves on the throne of our life, and if we ask ourselves, are completely miserable, are dreading tomorrow? Devote yourself to Christ and you'll find life. Devote yourself to you and you'll find meaninglessness. Paul was in prison. He did the right thing. It's okay. Be faithful. God works out the, God works out the details. And Paul talks of these prisons. The, the, he says, pray for, our, pray for our partners. So that's why we've got to pray for other churches. And in conclusion, uh, every preacher's famous last words, huh? Um, Paul says, remember my chains. Remember my chains. Remember those that are in chains now. Remember those that are, in, that, that, that are suffering for the gospel now. But I think there's something bigger to that too. Remembering our chains means this. Remembering what God has freed us from. There's, a, there's an old 1990s, gosh, some of you weren't even born then, um, Christian song by Stephen Curtis Chapman, I've always loved. It says, remember your chains. And there's a great line in there. There's no one more thankful to sit at the table than the one who best remembers hunger's pain. Oh, I love that. And there's no one who loves greater than the one who, the, the, the one who all he knows is pain. You once stood condemned before God because of your sins. But through Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. The Bible says that while we were yet his enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. That means that in your, there was in, in your life, there was a moment that you were most unlovable. It's at that moment Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you. 
Don't ever forget what he's called you from, though. Don't ever forget where you've come from. Don't ever forget the fact that we're just all broken and that God loves us. Paul says, remember your chains. Remember my chains. Let's remember our chains. Let's remember where God's called us from. And let's be faithful. And let's pray.